Tappers, what's up? It is the Tuesday edition of the Daily Tap. Hope everybody is doing well. We have a two-part podcast. Yes, we're going two parts. We're going to talk about the Packers in part one. And then we're going to talk about the Bucks and Marquette in part number two. Thought about talking about the Badger football team in one of those. Probably should. Maybe let's talk about the Badger football team in part one. All right. Let's do that at the end. So we'll talk Packers. We'll talk Badger football. And then we'll do basketball in part number two. Just thought about splitting them up because I didn't tape a podcast yesterday because I was very much under the weather. Feeling better today and wanted to give you guys something to chew on. So, yes, we are back. I'm happy to be back. I'm someone, someone asked me on the, with my story, they're like, did you get COVID? And I was like, no, I don't think it is. It was just a bad bug, man. Uh, I think food poisoning got me um, and feeling a little bit better today. Um, so on the road to recovery, um, so feeling good. Let's, uh, let's dive in and talk about the Packers. Apologize for not putting a lot of content out there for the people. All right, let's start with Green Bay. So Green Bay... I don't need to do that again. All right. With the Green Bay Packers, the Green Bay Packers are now a three-loss team. They drop another game to the Minnesota Vikings. They lose 34-31. It was a back-and-forth wild football game. I think a lot of people can look at that game and say the Packers shouldn't have lost it. The Packers probably don't lose it eight out of ten times that... Minnesota completed so many third downs. Kirk Cousins completed so many passes under pressure. Uh, Kirk Cousins did not get his balls intercepted. And that's why Minnesota won this football game. I'm not trying to discredit anything Minnesota does. I'm not a huge fan of the Vikings. I think we all know that. But I do want to point out that Kirk Cousins had a lot of things go his way. The horseshoe was directly up his ass. And good for him. Like, look, that's That is a sign of a decent quarterback, all right? Like, I'm not going to diminish that Kirk Cousins did not look good out there. He did. He had some major moments. Green Bay had no answer for Justin Jefferson. They had no answer for Adam Thielen, and they took advantage of that. And Green Bay could have come up with a big play defensively, and they just didn't. And that's been the Packers' kind of mantra defensively is coming up with those big plays. You, They're, what, third or fourth in the league in takeaways? So, of course, there was going to be that opportunity to come away with some big moments. But the Packers did lose, and they lost Elton Jenkins, which might be a bigger loss than the Minnesota defeat itself. Elton Jenkins, an all-pro, tore his ACL. He is out for the season. Likely, uh, Jenkins will miss you know part of next season as well. If you're, we're going on the David Bakhtiari scale, uh, Bakhtiari's not yet back, which we're going to talk about here in a second. And Bakhtiari was done on December the 31st was when he tore his ACL. So we'll see. Um, Hopefully Jenkins can come back for the start of the season, but I would highly doubt it. It's probably more likely that Jenkins is going to go on the pup. So everybody's freaking out. Everybody's like, this was finally the injury straw that broke the camel's back. That people just said, all right, look, this, this is too much. How can the Packers keep dealing with this? How are they going to survive? Look at that offensive line. It's going up against the Rams defense that is mean, that is hungry. How are they going to get this done? Look, it's it's not good. Josh Naiman, John Runyon, uh, they'll probably go Royce Newman, Lucas Patrick. Like they have a lot of guys missing. There's only one offensive lineman there that started this year. Well, actually, Royce Newman did too. So Royce Newman and Billy Turner are the same. But I, I've said for a while, Royce Newman is not an NFL starter right now. He just isn't. He's a, a good backup, but he's not he's not a starter just yet. 
And I understand the concern, and we could maybe chalk up this season to what could have been because of the injuries, but we just don't know yet. Every team goes through injuries. Every team has injury issues. It is very rare to see a team with a clean bill of health. The Packers are not going to be the only ones that deal with injuries for the remainder of the year. The Rams, for example, the team that Green Bay is playing on Sunday, dealt with the Robert Woods injury at the tail end of last week. Like That was a significant injury for Los Angeles. And Los Angeles has other injuries that they have to worry about. And that's the true with almost every team. Look at Arizona right now. Arizona is 2-1 in games that Kyler Murray hasn't started. It, there are some teams that would free fall and lose all three. And if that were the case, Arizona would be scraping by with the playoffs. They'd probably still be in the race, but there would be this demand to get Kyler Murray back. But because Colt McCoy is good enough, they can take their time with Kyler. I think they have a bye this week, so I would assume Kyler Murray will be back in the following week. So we can't use injuries as an excuse. We can use it as a reason for why maybe Green Bay isn't as good as we we think they could be or why they didn't get to a Super Bowl. Absolutely. But I, and I don't think that's an excuse. I think that's more of like, here are why Green Bay didn't get to get to the Super Bowl and injuries being one of them. But sometimes teams are better. Sometimes this, that. We'll just see. I said it back. I've said it a bunch in the last months is like David Bakhtiari played against Tampa Bay. We do not lose that game. Like that game is not lost. The Green Bay Packers win that game and they're going to the Super Bowl and they're probably winning the Super Bowl. The Packers have also had a really good bill of health for the last two years, and it finally caught up with them. They were extremely healthy the last two years. They didn't really have a ton of nicks and bruises. They might have had a guy out for a week, might have had a guy out for two weeks. But other than that, like they, they didn't have significant injuries like this one. I believe all of Green Bay's all pros from last year are, have been injured, or t- 7 out of 10 maybe. I saw something from Chandler Johnson. I apologize. Or no, maybe they've all missed games because Rodgers, you count COVID as technically an injury. So yeah, it's just been a bad year. It's been a year from hell, kind of, from an injury perspective. And look, the vibes for 2010 are there. That team was kind of mediocre until they got hot late. And they had a ton of injuries, and they were really going through it. I mean, hell, they lost Aaron Rodgers for a game and a half because of concussion. So Green Bay lost two games in December, and they almost stunned the Patriots on Sunday Night Football. Dan Connolly, this big fucking lineman, doesn't return a kick 60 yards. I think Green Bay does win that football game. And the the Packers still found a way to get to the playoffs, and they were healthy enough to make a run in the playoffs all the way to the Super Bowl. Green Bay can do that again. They're in a much better position than that 2010 team. They're two games up or three games up on the division. Or two, is it two? It might be two or three. Regardless, two or three games up and in the division. They have at least home field for one round, maybe two rounds, depending on where they finish. Could have home field throughout the playoffs if possible. So not, not all is lost here. Like, just because Elton Jenkins goes out, and and I'm not diminishing Elton Jenkins' injury, don't get me wrong here, but it doesn't mean that Green Bay is suddenly going to fall apart and Minnesota's going to win the division. Aaron Rodgers is a great fucking quarterback. Devontae Adams is an amazing wide receiver. They have a good defense. I'm not worried about what happened last Sunday. I think that was, I want to say a fluke, but I think that is more of a, 
a game where the defense was maybe due for one of these. And Minnesota just had a better game plan than Joe Barry did. And Joe Barry didn't really do enough to scheme it out. And he could have and just didn't work. And maybe the Packers pressured Cousins too much. I think what Barry thought was that if we keep pressuring Cousins, we're going to force a turnover. And it didn't happen. And I will say, I don't think there were a lot of people mad at Joe Barry, which is great. And I think that's really important. But I will also note that like they did exactly what Mike Patton wouldn't do where it was rushing the quarterback. They just got to learn not to play off on receivers when it's third and three. That drives me crazy. Will always drive me crazy. The only disadvantage for Green Bay, if you're looking at it and you want to poke holes and you want to say, is this team fucked? Their schedule isn't easy. They have the Rams next week, a much needed buy. Then Chicago at home, going to Baltimore, going home Cleveland, short week two, because they plan on Friday against the Browns. Then Minnesota at home, then Detroit on the road. So those are four teams, four potential playoff teams. The good news is it's mostly at home. And that's that's something you can hang your hat on. You have to defend your home turf. The, even though with all these injuries, there is no reason why the LA Rams should come into Green Bay and win that football game. That's a game that you show why Lambeau is so important. Because those guys are going to look cold. And you got to make them feel it. And you got to make them feel it early on. So I really think that's a game Green Bay has to win. I, I wouldn't call it a must win. But it's a game that Green Bay should really start to show its fangs. Now maybe Green Bay gets some guys back before this end of the year. The David Bakhtiari thing, the NFL network reported he's dealing with some swelling. Um, I've said for a couple a week now, I, I think that he's going to be back post-buy. The way I started to play it out, I think they're going to have him back once the bye week the bye week ends. I think the only problem is, is that if he has a knee injury and the cold, maybe that affects it. But I think David Bakhtiari comes back for the for the latter part of the December and after the bye. That's when I think you'll have David Bakhtiari back. I don't know about Z or Jair Alexander. I think that's ones where you just have to, if you get them back, great. If you don't, it's to be expected. I think at this point you should expect not having either player for the remainder of the year. But this Green Bay Packer team can still win the Super Bowl. They can still go far in the playoffs. They can still do all the things we as fans want them to do. All is not lost because of one injury. Do they have some problems? Yeah, we'll talk about it on star ratings, about special teams and a few others. But this is not the end of the world. And Green Bay is going to bounce back. And hopefully they can get it done next week or this week. Let's move on to star ratings. You might have seen these on social media, tapping the keg sports uh, on Instagram. Uh, I also did it on TikTok, tapping the keg sports and put it on Facebook, tapping the keg sports there as well. So it was on three of the four channels. But let's talk about it regardless. So we have Preston Smith getting our five star. Preston Smith was an absolute monster on Sunday. He was all in Kirk Cousins' grill. He played really special football out there, pressuring the quarterback at all times. The offensive line of Minnesota did not have an answer for what Preston Smith was bringing. I think we're seeing the healthy Preston Smith that we saw two years ago finally reemerge. I think Preston Smith has been unlocked, whether it is Nozadaria Smith, whether it is just he's feeling good. Um, he's playing really good football right now, and hopefully he can continue it because he's one of the linchpins right now to what Green Bay does defensively, and 
the continued rush on the quarterback is going to pay off for Green Bay. Just because it didn't on Sunday doesn't mean that it's not going to come through, whether it's the Rams, the Bears, the Ravens, some other team. It it will matter at some point. Four stars, I give it to Devontae Adams. Uh, Devontae Adams had another great game out at the wide receiver position. I think this was the first good Devontae game in a couple of weeks. Um, really nice to see him going. He got two touchdowns from Aaron Rodgers. Um, Rodgers found him in the end zone twice, which you you always love. The Rodgers-Adams connection is one that is pure. Seven catches, 115, two touchdowns. He had a 37-yard reception to open up the game. I do wonder if Green Bay is going to try to do that more often, if they're going to try to feed him the ball you know, early on and get him going. They did not necessarily stay with the Devontae Adams train in the middle of the game. That's been kind of a theme recently that I've noticed is that they sometimes forget about Devontae Adams. I don't know how, but it, it's either Devontae is an open or Rodgers is trying to get somebody else going or whatever else. But there are moments where we don't necessarily see Devontae Adams as much as we probably should. So hopefully that improves as the weeks go on. Josiah Degara is number three. Look, if Josiah Degara can play the way he did in this game, Green Bay is going to make up for some of the losses that we are just talking about. Like, that to me is an underrated thing that isn't being talked about. Not to belabor what we talked about in the monologue, but if Josiah DeGuerra comes back, or not comes back, Josiah DeGuerra is a factor. Josiah DeGuerra has some Tunyon-like days where he's catching, I don't know, five catches, 50 yards, two touchdowns, and becomes a legitimate red zone threat for Aaron Rodgers, that changes everything. That changes absolutely everything. He didn't get on the, the star ratings list, but deserves a, a nod as Equanimous St. Brown. EQ had two catches for 43 yards. He also had a rush for 11 yards. So 54 total yards of offense. One of EQ's best days as a professional. Aaron Rodgers likes EQ. Aaron Rodgers trusts EQ. I would imagine we see more of EQ, you know, in the weeks to come. And he definitely took advantage of an opportunity with Alan Lazard down this week. So we'll see if EQ can kind of keep that rolling as the weeks go on. That's definitely something to watch. And if you can get more production out of guys like him and Josiah, Green Bay's offense becomes suddenly a lot better. And that's the other thing, too is the Green Bay offense finally looked like the 2020 version in the second half against against Minnesota. It finally sort of came back to life. And so I have no idea what changed. I don't know what they did to kind of get that going. But whatever it is, I hope Green Bay sort of brings that back uh, next week against the Rams and going forward. Two stars, the inability to catch interceptions. My God. The fact that Kirk Cousins does not have an interception on his stat sheet is fucking incredible. Darnell Savage came down with multiple interceptions of Kirk Cousins. He intercepted him once. It was a helmet-to-helmet roughing the passer. I don't think it was as bad as the slow motion made it out to be. The announcers were like, oh, this is what they're trying to get out of the game. I'm like, really? It's just hard football. Uh, But Savage picked one off in the red zone. That got called back. Of course, the Vikings score. Then Savage might have picked off an interception the second time. Green Bay is asking the officials for sort of that wording because it, as the more you looked at it, the more it did seem like maybe he came down with it. 
And I will say it was a pretty one-sided refereeing affair. I thought it was more sided to Minnesota than it was Green Bay. Now, I have no idea if that was due to the fact that, you know, they need Minnesota's kind of the home field advantage, the crowds, whatever. But yeah, it really was odd how many calls went against the Packers and how many calls didn't go against Minnesota when Minnesota is one of the most penalized teams and Green Bay, frankly, is not. Savage might have had that football, but man, if they pick off one of those, or if Kike goes low or Savage picks off the the one or it's ruled an interception, this is an entirely different game and the Vikings lose. And we're talking about an 8-2 or nine and two Packer team, not an 8-3 and three Packer team. Lastly, Mason Crosby. I understand that Matt LaFleur is not going to move on from Mason Crosby, and I will just say that, okay. And why I say okay is I think he's making a major mistake by not not getting rid of Mason Crosby. I look at this, and he is an absolute dumpster fire. It is all in his head mentally. It's only going to get worse as it gets colder. You see this sometimes with older players as it gets colder, their muscles get a little stiffer, and they, they do not play the same way. I don't feel great about Mason Crosby, and I hope to God that we do not have a playoff game that comes down to a field goal or a moment where Green Bay can can get the one seed and Mason Crosby misses a field goal. I am just pray that he is not involved with some of the bigger moments for Green Bay down the stretch because right now he's broken, and I don't know if he can he can put it back together. Let's wrap up part one here with the Wisconsin Badgers. So the Wisconsin Badgers took care of business against Nebraska. It was a wild back and forth game. Classic Nebraska and how they've played all season where Nebraska has sort of kept in every game. I think this is their seventh one loss game, one score game this year where they've lost by one score. I mean, if half, they win half of those, they're, they're in a bowl game. They're what? They'd be seven, and they'd have seven wins right now. Like they, I mean, that's crazy that Nebraska has found themselves with seven one-score losses, and they gave the Badgers all they could handle. Uh, this defense, I think, some could wonder was it exposed a little bit? Adrian Martinez threw for three hundred and fifty-one yards against them, but the real story was Braylon Allen. I want to talk about the. De- I'll talk about the defense in a second, but Braylon Allen was the. The story, rushing for over 200 yards, death taxes, and the Badger running backs having a big game against Nebraska. I feel like that has happened more times than not in my lifetime, and it happened again on Saturday. And it was one of those moments where I felt like you were watching the next Derrick Henry, and I've called him that for a couple of weeks now, and I hope everybody gets on board. Like, this guy is going to win a Heisman. Like, I, I feel very confident about Braylon Allen's Heisman chances. Like, I was going to text our guy Murph, who I talk about with gambling a lot with, and I'm like, the soonest we can put a Braylon Allen Heisman future on, we should, because I think that's going to be a great bet for next season. The future is really, really bright for Wisconsin's offense. For years, really since Jonathan Taylor left, the Badgers have been trying to find a new running back, and they've been trying to find a workhorse back and they haven't had that that answer. Allen is that answer. And when when they have a workhorse back who can rush for hundreds, two hundred yards, it makes Graham Mertz's job so much easier. And Graham Mertz doesn't have to force anything. He doesn't have to try to win it all with his arm. 
he lets Braylon Allen go, and then he just does a little bit here and a little bit there. That is really important to the success of Wisconsin. And you do wonder if this Badger team can play spoiler come come the Big Ten season. We have the big Ohio State-Michigan game on Saturday. It is the biggest Ohio State-Michigan game probably since the that 2003 game where it was number one versus number two, or that was 2004. That game was at night. It was a 2.30 game, I remember. They, I forget why that game was at 2.30. I'm sure Wikipedia would have that for me. But that, I, I watched it in my basement. I remember watching it. Michigan-Ohio State's a game you just always watch. It, does, it doesn't matter if you're not a fan of those two teams. You're always tuned in to Michigan and Ohio State. So if the Badgers beat Minnesota on Saturday, then they will have an opportunity to play the winner of Ohio State-Michigan in the Big Ten Championship game. I think the Badgers would love another shot at Michigan uh, after Michigan pretty much shit-pumped them throughout the game uh, about two two months ago, where we really asked a lot of questions about this Badger team, what this Badger team was. I would think the Badgers would love to get some revenge on Michigan. I also think they would love to get some revenge on Ohio State. I think there would be a feeling of we can kind of ruin these guys' party for once. Ohio State... Everybody freaked out about their game last week. I think there's going to be an overreaction to what Ohio State did. Um, I know their offense looked like a juggernaut, but you got to remember Michigan State has one of the worst pass defenses in college football, and Michigan State got exposed. The only reason why some people liked Michigan State, and I, I decided not to bet on this game. I I didn't like the spread. I didn't like Mel Tucker as good as an underdog. Mel Tucker loves that underdog role. And they just got steamrolled. And that happens from time to time. It, it really does. Like Sometimes things just go sideways and they're never able to get back on board. And that thing went sideways so quick. So now everybody's ready to jump on this Ohio State bandwagon. I think Ohio State will be number two in the college football playoff rankings tonight. I think you'll probably see it uh, as Georgia, Ohio State, Alabama, and I think they'll do Michigan. I think they will. I think they'll have Michigan jump Cincinnati. Even though Cincinnati looked really good against SMU, I think they're going to be pricks and put Michigan ahead because I think they love storyline. So then it's two versus four. It's basically a playing game. There will be massive amounts of hype around this game. And again, Cincinnati would get screwed. But who knows? Maybe this is the week for Cincinnati. Maybe this is finally their time to get into the Big Four since Oregon lost to Utah in disastrous fashion. I can't believe how bad Utah or Oregon was in that game. Just inexcusable effort from uh, the Oregon Ducks. But yeah, the Badgers have a real opportunity now to spoil the party. Now, would the Big Ten want that? I don't think so. I think if you were having beers with Kevin Warren, I think Kevin Warren would be like, it's great Wisconsin's in here. But I do not want them to beat Ohio State or Michigan because that means we wouldn't have a team in the college football playoff. It actually would bring up a very interesting scenario. I, so Michigan, had, so Ohio State doesn't have a loss. This would only be interesting if Ohio State beats, if Ohio State loses to Michigan. So if Ohio State loses to Michigan, they have one loss. Or no, then they have two losses. Okay, so there's another two loss. Then I think you, you're you out of one-loss teams, right? Cincinnati, Alabama, Georgia get in. So that fight for that fourth spot. 
if Ohio State or Michigan were to lose, or and this this game this week, and then the team who won lost to Wisconsin, would the loser of the twenty seventh game get into the college football playoff? I think there's a real opportunity there, right? Like. That, I think, is extremely on the table. Like, I don't think Oregon's going to vault all the way back up. I guess maybe Oklahoma or Oklahoma State. Would that be the answer? Because they, I think, have one loss themselves, Oklahoma State and Oklahoma. And that's the other big matchup of the weekend. So maybe that's it. The Big 12 slides in. That's probably what happens. I would imagine that as long as Oklahoma or Oklahoma State were able to stay with one loss, that they would end up being the team that gets in over one of the Big Ten teams. But yeah, it's it's a fascinating to think about. It's definitely interesting to see where this lies. I am a little concerned about the defense, just how bad they were in the past game. I hope that's just a blip. Uh, CJ Stroud, very good. I think a lot of people would point that out. But we will, we will not uh, run before we walk because the Badgers still have to beat Minnesota this weekend um, in the Axe game on the road. You know PJ Flex is going to get his guys fired up for it. So we'll, we'll, they'll conquer that first, and once they conquer that, then we can start talking about the Big Ten Championship and Wisconsin being back in the mix for yet another time. All right, it's time for part two. We're going to talk hoops now. Uh, so if you listen to part two first, um, thank you, and we'll talk to you later. Or if this is your part one, now let's do part two. All right, let's talk in a little bit. <laughs> 